Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Michael Tobe, who is a Troy Media syndicated columnist and Washington Times contributor and a very thoughtful guy with opinions on a, on, on a, on a series of issues and particularly a perspective on, on the United States. How are you, Michael? I'm good, Roy. How are you doing? I'm surviving this thing quite well. Me too, or we're doing our best. And I think that's all we can really hope as a society, that we do it day by day, we do it as best as we can together and individually, and we just, it, it's survival and getting to the end point, whenever that end point is, where if things don't get back to exactly to normal, whatever the new normal entails will at least be something that we can, quote-unquote, look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're learning as we're going, which yeah. is an interesting experience. It really is. You watch people, and you can see folks thinking about what they're doing before they're going to do it. Oh, absolutely! It, it's a really an interesting experience. It's, it's a it's a it's a societal experience. In very much so. Yeah, it is very much a societal experience, <clears throat> and it's actually making a lot of us. And maybe you're doing the same thing that I'm doing. You're you're sort of looking at ideas that you've held sort of near and dear to your heart for many years. You're looking at them in a slightly different way. Not that you're changing as a person or you're changing your political ideology or anything like that. You're just looking at certain things like, for example, I just, you know, the incorporation of the importance of community. It's not something that obviously I've ignored, but as a small C conservative who looks more at individual rights and freedoms or just the individual as the main objective, I have to look also now at the community and start sort of thinking along those lines, you know, to sort of incorporate into my point of view. It doesn't make me unique or radical to say something like that, but during this time off, and I don't know about you, Roy, it's, it's actually made me reflect on a number of things and try to sort of envision ways that I can still strongly stand for my personal and ideological beliefs, but enhance other things as well. I agree with you completely. I really, really do. Sometimes late at night, uh, I'll start thinking about what I've always believed in and I still believe in. and uh, But then I, I look at what other people are writing or saying or have recorded, and it's of interest. And uh, it's not it's not changing much of my point of view or, or any of it, really. I, you know, If you have a deep philosophical belief, that's what you have. But I think it makes you more accepting that there is another point of view. Absolutely. Unless you're on Twitter. Unless you're on Twitter. <laughs> Unless you're on Twitter. Michael, let's uh, you know you have a lot to uh, a lot of experience in the United States. You're also a speechwriter for Stephen Harper, of course. Yep. Uh, but you have a lot of experience in the United States. You're a contributor to the Washington Times. When I look what's going on in the U.S. right now, there are so many different factors that are at play that are colliding with each other. And yesterday, of course, the the, the, the former president Barack Obama had some uh, not so pleasant things to say about. Uh, Mr. Trump and the yep. way he's managing uh, COVID-19 or the pandemic crisis. <laughs> I think I think Barack Obama's allowed one or two, given what yeah. Trump said about him. But when you uh, when you compare what the you know the two presidents and the current situation, uh, I, I don't know if you can do that. It's really sort of a hypothetical. But which president do you think would have handled the situation better? That's a tough one. Um, and, and taking ideology completely out of it, which is not easy to do, but I'll try. Um, each one would have handled it probably differently in their own way. I mean, obviously, we wouldn't have had US, former U.S. President Barack Obama talking about Clorox as a possible treatment. I don't think that would have ever popped up. 
But in the same sense, I don't know if uh, he would have necessarily moved the same way that Donald Trump has to sort of use a very positive image to sort of try to reinvigorate the economy or try to help agriculture and farmers, as he just recently did, where he's basically going to infuse, I think it's going to purchase about between 2 to $3 billion U.S. worth of product just to sort of keep them afloat or keep them alive, because there's now just an over-surplus of certain things and an under-surplus of other things that people need on a daily basis. So I think each president would have handled it differently, and also as well, the, the worldviews of Mr. Trump and Mr. Obama are completely separate. Take away the fact that one has the word Republican attached to his name, the other has the word Democrat attached to his name. It's just the way that they look at things, the, the influence of the state, what role government should play, how the private sector should, can survive something like this, and what should be some of the forces around it. Each man would have looked at it very, very differently, and they, you know, they would have had both their positives and negatives, as Donald Trump has had being mm-hmm. the sitting president. But to sort of say that, well, you know, Barack Obama would have handled everything completely differently and everything would have changed and there would have been great prosperity and they would have caught COVID-19 earlier. There wouldn't have been as many active cases and total deaths. Maybe, maybe not, because most world leaders, be they on the left or right of the political spectrum, Roy, were slow to the punch. They did not move as quickly as they should. Some were, you know, a month and a half. And some still still are. Others were a few weeks. Yeah, and some still are. Michael, on that uh, that terrible story in uh, from Georgia, twenty two yep. year old black jogger, and we've so many people, have, millions of people, have seen that video, and it's deeply, deeply disturbing. And now you have the father and the son, white father, white son, mm-hmm. uh, charged with felony murder. And the criminal lawyer from Atlanta, Paige Pate, told us yesterday that there have been issues with Glynn County in Georgia, particularly over the years, and uh, so they're looking at well, a bit of a jaundiced eye at the fact okay. that the county took so long to to take action, and then the Georgia Bureau of Investigation comes in after they see the video, and within 36 hours, the GBI has laid felony murder charges. What do you make of this? Yeah, it, it's a terrible issue, and obviously the, the lawyer that you spoke to is obviously more familiar with the county and the history around there. I've read a little bit about that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's an awful situation. I believe Donald Trump, the president of the United States, called it heartbreaking, if I'm not mistaken, and he's right. And no matter who says it, no matter where they are in the spectrum, um, it's an awful thing. And the problem is, when you look at the case with an eye, I mean, everything about it, and I hate discussing politics of race and racial politics. It's not, it's not because I'm scared of it. It's just not something that necessarily fascinates me. But unfortunately, it's reality, too. And in this case, the, you know, the, the, the shooting of Ahmad Arbery by the, uh, the father and son, I believe they're the McMichaels, um, is just horrific in so many different ways. I think what troubled me the most, and I don't know how much you've discussed it on your program to date, Roy, is just that the father and son, their story that, you know, that they felt that, in their view, Mr. Arbery resembled someone who had been involved in a robbery in the region, so they decided to take matters into their own hands. We can obviously have a discussion about vigilanteism till the, you know, till the ends of the earth, but I think that no matter what, if you accept their story, as questionable as it is, you know, let's give them a, a very, very, very slight benefit of the doubt for this hypothetical situation, the fact still remains that even if you recognize someone, even if you think they're associated with something that happened in your area, to take matters into your own hands or to take the law in your own hands is completely and utterly wrong. I mean, that and is- there was no there was no robbery, no burglary going no. on at the time. 
Exactly. None. And that's Zero. the other problem as well. I agree. Yeah. The story doesn't make a lot of sense as well. We, so, will, find, we will find out, uh, I think, very rapidly now what the facts uh, of the story are because the pressure is uh, from everywhere. And, uh, and rightly so. Rightly so. This deserves uh, immediate and, and proper investigation, and the uh, public needs to be aware of this, of what, what happened. Michael, uh, on, uh, on the General Michael, Mike Flynn story, his three yep. st- uh, lieutenant general, as they say in the United States, uh, three star general, uh, worked with Donald Trump, was a lifetime Democrat before he started to work with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, uh, and then he becomes the, the focus and the target of the FBI and James Comey, and they go and interview him. And Comey gives a very arrogant ir- interview about sending a couple of guys over to, that's what he said, send a couple of guys over to uh, mm-hmm. interview Flynn. And then Flynn finds himself in, uh, in really serious trouble. Yep. And now the FBI, or at least the Department of Justice, says <laughs> these, justice, these, these charges were not, uh, not warranted and we're withdrawing them. Where does this leave Comey? Yeah, this is, you're right, this is such a bizarre story and a bizarre situation. Well, no, I mean, obviously with James Comey, it leaves him with a ton of egg on his face. You know, some people think that he's already had a few cartons of them already based on other things. Yeah. You know, having gone through the whole impeachment hearings. But um, specifically here, yeah, I mean, obviously you have to sort of wonder and, sit and say to yourself, well, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, who pled guilty not once but twice to these charges, and obviously has had a dark cloud of controversy with his name for years. And all of a sudden, this information sort of pops out, maybe not necessarily out of nowhere, because there were rumors about it even late last year, but things have now really come to a head. And a lot of people are starting to sort of say to themselves, well, what really did happen here? No, if if Michael Flynn was, shall we say, quote-unquote, railroaded, that's fine. That's That's a worthy discussion that's worth talking about. But we have to connect a whole series of dots, and there's a lot of things in this story that still don't make sense, as in how we got to this point. Knowing some of the ties that Mr. Flynn had with international politicians, parties, governments, etc., and the fact that he pled guilty twice, which still stands on the record, even though obviously it's all been exonerated, there's just an enormous amount of question marks there. Yeah, and I mean, you, know the, you know the talk is that he did that in order to protect his son. Exactly. And I'm more than happy to, you know, have him or, or one of his representatives discuss this in greater detail. Because if that is the case, and that is what happened, well, you're right, it changes everything. Not even just for James Comey, it changes everything from, you know, the way the FBI, the CIA, surveillance sources, yeah. the Department of Justice, etc. It, it, it basically changes the way they look at any particular case. You know, when we, when we, obvious at times, obviously can turn out to be very, very different, even just a few years from now. We only have a few seconds left, but, uh, when you look at this, it's another ingredient in the election goulash that is going to become more and more muddy, more and more accusatory, more and more difficult to absorb. And I think also it will create more and more separation among Americans. Uh, this next six months are going to be, uh, very um, interesting isn't the word, challenging yep. to uh, to absorb, certainly from this side of the border. My friend, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for taking the extra time with, with us today, Michael. Oh, my pleasure. Have a good weekend. Take good care. Michael Tobe, uh, who is a syndicated columnist for Troy Media and Washington Times contributor, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. 
And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.